This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 14. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, Oh, I've bought a field and I must go see to it. Please have me excused. And the other said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I have to go examine them. Uh, Please have me excused. And the other said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his just said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and to the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you were commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited shall taste my banquet. This is the gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone from Dallas, Texas. What an impactful week we have had. I want to welcome everyone who is tuning in from around the world. We have come together literally across the ocean, uh, many oceans, and we have been looking and discussing the first great awakening, looking in depth at the life and ministry of George Whitfield. We have looked at his strengths of preaching the good news unceasingly with great fervor, over 18,000 sermons documented and many more undocumented calling all to turn, all to follow the one and only savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And we have discussed Whitfield's weaknesses. We certainly have. We discussed Whitfield's flaws, his blind spots and sins. We have looked at them this week. And Whitfield's life reminds us that despite our deficiencies, God still uses us for his good purposes. Whitfield was well aware of his own shortcomings. He exclaimed, other men may preach the gospel better than I, but no man can preach a better gospel. And today we are going to focus on this glorious gospel, this good news that Whitfield and others preached 
with great passion that brought about a great awakening. An awakening to the reality that God is real. God is alive. God has defeated sin and death. God restores. God heals. God binds up the brokenhearted. The good news of a God who gives us his strength as we face trial. A God who forgives. A God who loves. A God we can know. And his name is Jesus. The good news that was preached in that first great awakening is still the good news we preach today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I think we can all agree it is time for another great awakening. It is time for a move of God in our midst. Now, we can't bring about a great awakening. This is God's work. But we can prevent it from happening. Church, revival begins with us. Revival begins with the church. And we, the church, need to repent, to turn to God afresh, to receive the love that God has for us, and to love God with all of our heart and with all of our mind and with all of our soul and to love our neighbors as ourselves. This week, we've been talking about this call to love God and to love our neighbor. We need to follow Jesus again with intensity and intentionality to take his hand. He so freely offers us and God willing so that the world will be renewed and revived by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to awaken from our slumber of apathy and antagonism towards God and one another. The church is a sleeping giant. It is time to wake up, wake up, Around the world, we have all been rattled. We have been shaken to our core. Our time, work, family, relationships, finances, how we live and move and have our being has literally been turned upside down. Every single person, every human being on the entire planet is being slapped to and fro by this dual pandemic. One, a virus seeming from the outside that is literally attacking our physical frames. And the other, no less lethal, a virus seeking to destroy us from the inside, a spewing of division, violence, racism, greed and hatred, right out of the inner core of humanity. Jesus said this, Jesus said, 
But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and that is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. This virus has been attacking humanity since the beginning of time, and it is lethal. It chokes us. The great British evangelist and my friend Jay John tells of a great story of a little girl named Annie. Annie's mom needed to run some errands. And she left this smart, precocious little girl at home with her father. And the mom said to the dad, now, now keep Annie occupied, won't you? And the dad said, of course, of course, I've got it all under control. So he got out coloring books. That went by pretty quickly. He read her books. That went pretty quickly. But he really needed to get back to his work. He was working from home like many of us are right now. And then he looked over and in the newspaper, he saw a picture of a globe and he thought, perfect. Aha. That's what I'll do. I'll cut the picture of the globe and I'll put it on the floor and I'll spread it out. And then I'll tell Annie to paste it all back together. This will take hours. Perfect. Well done, Dad. Perfect plan. So he cut up the picture, put it all out, all the pieces, and he got some tape. Now, I want you to put this puzzle of the world, tape it all together, put it back together, and when you're finished, come and let me know. Well, about seven minutes passed, and Annie brought the tape picture of the entire world to her dad. It was perfect. And he said, Annie, how did you do this? And Annie replied, well, dad, when you held up the newspaper with the picture of the world, I saw the other side of the newspaper and I saw a picture of two people. And I thought to myself, if I can put the two people back together, I can put the world back together. At the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. How in the world do we treat this disease of the human heart? We certainly have tried, haven't we? But we're, we, we, we are left wanting. We are so weary as we see governments, laws, courts, leaders of state, Doctors, psychologists, educators, experts, everything and everyone around us falling short of treating and curing the problem. The injustice, brokenness, and hatred seems to persist. It just persists and persists, even with the greatest governmental systems and programs. And in the midst of this, Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will 
find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I, I have come that you may have life and life in abundance. So how do we treat this heart disease? With a proper diet, a diet especially made for the human heart. And so I have read so many of George Whitfield's sermons as we have entered into this week. I've been so inspired and my heart has been strangely warmed. Whitfield said that only God can change a heart. And that is when a person receives God's invitation. When a person receives God's invitation, then his, Whitfield says, then his will has changed. Then his conscience, though now hardened and benumbed, shall be quickened and awakened. His hard heart shall be melted and his unruly affections shall be crucified. Thus, by that repentance, the whole soul will be changed and he will have new inclinations, new desires and new habits. Biblical scholar Dale Bruner once said, what goes deepest to the heart goes widest to the world and how we need this change in our world. One heart at a time. I'm drawn to this story of the great, great banquet that Jesus tells us about, the one we read this morning in our Gospels, that the kingdom of God is like a king who prepares a great banquet. And he says, the feast is ready. In this Gospel, do you hear God's heartbeat, God's longing, God's deep desire for everyone to be at the banquet feast. He says there's more room, there's more, more room. He yearns for all to be at his table. Every race, every creed, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, all, all, all. Our God is a global God and our God is on a global mission to have the entire world feasting at his table. In the Bible, God invites us over 600 times. Come to me. Follow me. And see. Come. Come to the banquet. Jesus is saying in his parable that the kingdom of God begins with a great invitation to the feast. And Jesus is beckoning us all this morning. Come. Come to the feast. What is at this feast? What is prepared at this banquet table for every human heart in the world? At this feast is unconditional love. There is nothing we can do to make God love us more. And there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. Because God is love. It's the kind of love that when we look in the morning, in the mirror and we think if anyone ever knew this about me, they would run away. They would reject me. God says, I love you with an everlasting love. His love is forever. His love is unconditional because God is love. 
So at this banquet is love. At this banquet table is forgiveness. Jesus went to the cross, took on the burden of the sins of the whole world, was crucified and suffered the most brutal death and rose again from the grave so that you and I could be forgiven and restored and reconciled to God once again. That is why Jesus came. There is not one thing this morning that God isn't ready and waiting to forgive. Whatever you have done, you can be forgiven this morning and cleansed and made new and walk in freedom. The scripture says, I will break your chains of captivity and make you walk upright with dignity. Jesus says, as far as the east is from the west is how far I will cast out your sins. At this feast is forgiveness. At this feast is acceptance and an invitation into a new family, the family of God. As John writes in his gospel, for all who believe, they have the right to become children of God sons and daughters of God. The world wants to slap labels on you, but I am telling you today that as you say yes to God's invitation, you become his son, you become his daughter, you become royalty. You are his beloved children and he accepts all of us. We are one at this table feast. At this table, we are all treated with dignity and equity and justice. At this table is an embrace that he has for every single one of us. At this feast is eternal life and the gift of his Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us. And eternal life, that life, that life force and that power begins here and now. Whatever you are facing this morning, Jesus says, I will give you my spirit, not just to survive in this life, but to thrive. If you are feeling uneasy, uncertain, anxious, he says, I will pour out my spirit of peace. If you are not sure where to go and are not sure of the next step in your life, if you feel lost, he said, I will give you counsel. I will give you wisdom. If you are mourning today and in despair and despondent, Jesus says, I will comfort you by my spirit. My spirit is here to bring you comfort. He says, if you are sorrowful, I will pour out my spirit of joy onto you. This is at the table. And Jesus says, come, come to this feast and be fed. Many followers of Jesus, many of us are truly just nibbling, nibbling a little iceberg side salad. And we go out into the world completely malnourished. I asked this morning, 
When was the last time you gorged at the feast of God, that you feasted on unconditional love? You feasted on his forgiveness. You feasted on his acceptance. You feasted on his embrace as you were a member of his family. You feasted on the power of his Holy Spirit. When is the last time you did this? We cannot survive on anything else. This is the only meal that will cure our human heart disease. Whitfield said, trying to feast on anything else is like trying to reach the moon on a rope made of sand. So feast, church, feast, awaken. And then Jesus says in this parable, after you feast, I want you then as my servant to go and to invite others to the great banquet. I want all at my table. There is not one I want to lose. And of course, as the servant goes out, we read in the parable, people made excuses. Oh, I just bought an Xbox. I can't quite make it. I'm a little busy. Oh, I just met someone on Match.com. Love to come to the banquet. Can't quite make it. Oh, I'm, I just got a new job. Can't quite make it. Can't quite make it. But you notice the, the king of the feast, the master of the feast, doesn't matter the servant. He gets angry that people don't say yes to the invitation. But he says to the servant, okay, go back out. Go back out to the country lanes, to the poor, to the crippled, to those who are hurting. Go out. Keep inviting. Keep inviting. Keep inviting. I want all at my table. Jesus sends his servant out. Go. Go. This is the call of the church. Jesus's final words before he ascended into heaven were go into all the world and take the good news. Go and make disciples of all nations. Church, this is our call. We are to speak good news that God is real. God is alive. God saves. You can meet him. He will transform your life and save your life. Turn to him. Follow him. Follow Jesus. We are to speak words of life that there is hope. There is forgiveness. There is love. There is strength and weakness. There is a savior. We are to speak words of life. And then we are to bring life. We are to be good news. We are to speak good news. And we are to be good news. Followers of Jesus, we are to be good news to a hurting world. We are to be on the forefront of social justice. We are to be on the forefront of racial reconciliation. We are to be on the forefront of telling those who were shunned by society that you are loved. You are a child of God. God made you and God made you for a purpose. You are his. We are to be on the forefront of feeding those who are hungry, providing shelter for the homeless. 
We are to be on the forefront of exuding love and justice. We need to exude it and be about the good news so much that people say, who are you? What diet are you on? We must show and tell. This life is fleeting. We see numbers daily on our screens of those who have departed this life. One and one people die. We are all going to die. It could happen tomorrow. I have been talking with friends on the phone in business meetings on a Tuesday. And on a Wednesday, we get the call that they have been infected with this coronavirus. And three friends. I have two friends in the hospital now fighting for their very lives. We do not know what tomorrow brings. Friends, today is the day of salvation. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss saying yes to God's invitation to the great banquet feast. Death is not the end. It doesn't have to be. The feast of God is for an eternity. The gospel writer John, as we read this morning in Revelation, gave us a glimpse of this wedding feast that goes on forever. Revelation, it says, for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. To her, it has been granted to be clothed in fine linen, pure and bright. And write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. You are invited. You are invited to the marriage supper. And if you are listening this morning, it is by no accident. God is calling to you now. Come. Say yes to Jesus's invitation of life with him. Whitfield said this. One of Whitfield's final thoughts that he said was this. And I quote. And I think if I know anything of my own heart, my heart's desire as well as my prayer to God and to all of you, is that I may see you sitting down at the wedding banquet in the kingdom of our heavenly Father. Philip Yancey in his book, Vanishing Grace, talked about a, a, a poll that was done recently. And they asked Americans, what words do you want to hear? What words do you long to hear? And the poll gave us these top three results. The first thing we long to hear is, I love you. That was number one. I love you. Number two was, I forgive you. And number three was surprising. Number three was supper's ready. Our world is hungry. We are hungry. Feast at the banquet table. Supper's ready. 
and then go out and invite others to the feast. George Whitfield said, let us never despair while we have Christ as our leader. Jesus Christ is our leader. Jesus Christ is at the head of the banquet table. So we do not despair. We are a people of hope. So I want to invite you to pray with me this morning. If you have never said yes to Jesus's invitation, I encourage you to say yes today. In Revelation chapter three, Jesus says this, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him forever. God is knocking at the door of our heart and he is saying, will you let me in? So if you have never invited him in, if you have never accepted his invitation to the great banquet, I want you to pray after me this prayer and just Repeat in your heart or out loud after me as I pray. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for inviting me to be with you and follow you. Thank you for inviting me to be with you and to follow you. Forgive me when I have rejected you. Forgive me when I have rejected you. Forgive me for going my own way. Forgive me for going my own way. Forgive me for, when, for what I have done wrong. Forgive me for what I have done wrong. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. I say yes to your invitation. I say yes to your invitation. Be my Lord and Savior forever. Be my Lord and Savior forever. Amen. And for those of us who might maybe have been a follower of Jesus for a long time, I just want to encourage us right now to put our hand over our hearts. And whatever you need, mind, body, and spirit, I ask that the Holy Spirit would minister to you right now. Come Holy Spirit. And now, today is also a commissioning. 
a commissioning for all of us to go, to go out in the world. Jesus has placed people around you to whom only you can share his love. Go, make that meal, make that call, serve food, enact justice, be a reconciler, speak words of life, be good news, share the love, be the love, be the mercy, be the justice of our Lord. Come, the supper of the lamb is ready. Lord Jesus Christ, we say yes to your feast. We say yes, yes, yes. Pour out your spirit, Lord Christ. Awaken our world. Awaken us. Start with us. And we pray all this in the name that is above every name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.